This is your place for all things Detroit Red Wings and all things Chicago Blackhawks. With your hosts, Jordan Linscott, David Barnhouse, Nick LePage, and Tim Stampanato. This is the Stickblade Podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to another edition of the Sick Blade Podcast. It is your place for all things Detroit Red Wings, all things Chicago Blackhawks, and general news around the NHL. On tonight's show, we've got a little bit to talk about. We have, as always, the flashback and flash forward. There's segments where we talk about the week that was and the week that's going to be for both the Chicago Blackhawks and the Detroit Red Wings. We've got a couple pieces of news that relate not even just to the Wings and the Hawks, but just the trade deadline for the league in general. I mean, because COVID is complicating, you know, the quarantine stuff and players moving between, you know, potential teams or countries for that matter, what that sort of means for a trade deadline players who might be on the move, you know, from the U S to Canada or from Canada down to the U S vice versa what might that look like? And then also, I mean, who are players from the Hawks or the wings, depending on this period, they might be looking to trade. Also, we have to talk about a milestone for a certain Mr. Kane that happened this week against the, uh, the Red Wings themselves as always. Um, and then after that, we've got just a little bit of discussion about other players who are impressing players who might be on the move and just really, that's it for the show. It's going to be a nice short one, not a ton of team news this week. Um, but with all that saying, I am your host for tonight, Jordan Linscott, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, David Barnhouse and Nick LePage. Uh, Tim is not with us tonight, he's doing, you know, the responsible adult stuff in his life. So how are you guys doing tonight? Doing Doing well. well. Yeah, just got. I had a shamrock shake before the show, so we're oh. we're living. Oh my! Whoa! whoa. No, no, we are not slandering no. shamrock. We will go. We'll drag this podcast episode out. Nasty, <laughs> nasty. No, yeah. So I'm doing yeah. well. You know, uh, minty green chemical bull crap. I like I bet you poisons like the, inside my body. All right. I bet you like the McRib too, don't you? No, I never had one actually. Neither. Uh, <laughs> doing great. Got my first dose of the vaccine this weekend. Watched my uh, soccer team win today, so it felt good. And let's keep the good feelings going with the, some Hawks and Wings news. How about you, Jordan? How are you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing good. It's been a stressful almost two weeks now, but it's it's nice to to be away from work for a minute. Um, had a little project in the basement. If you can't tell on the scenery behind me. Oh um, wow! <laughs> yeah. If you're listening, if you're just listening and not watching on YouTube, Jordan has. Updated his little backdrop, his backdrop for us. He's got a nice Detroit Red Wings and a little bit of Hawks mixed in there. So got some cool jerseys hanging around. You had a real glow up. It went from like a curtain, like <laughs> a sheet, plastic sheet, to now this beautiful wall behind you. Yeah, it's it, it's a professional looking background, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I got like dirty clothes hanging up on a, a hanger right now. But, and I've got Paris. <laughs> Look, no, man, I, I no HR like and ninja bracelet. Yeah, I feel like we always mess that up, Jordan. Like you always ask how we're doing, and then we just forget to have a forget to have a conversation, and you know, we always leave you on the shit end of the stick. So I'm glad we addressed that one tonight. Uh, but no, I'm I'm doing all right though. It's it's been good to get away from work for a couple of days. Um, and like I said, unfortunately, uh, Tim's not here, so we're not having a four man crew this week. It's a three man crew, but we're gonna try to have a good show without him. We always old try to have a good show for that matter. Old school and, episode. Yeah, old yeah. school. It's Kevin? been a minute since we've had a three-man show. 
it's like the it's like the reverse of when the show started out and it was it was two blackhawks hosts and one one wings host yeah so now i gotta carry the workload thanks now we outnumber you um we'll go ahead and just get into the show because i mean like i said there's not really much to talk about this week it's been a really light week for news for you know the teams for the most part of like actual Mm -hmm. confirmed news um let's go ahead and just talk about the wings because i feel like the wings actually have just a touch more to talk about in terms of actual news for their roster um the first being is that Dylan Larkin is out for the Detroit Red Wings. There goes our top line center. Um, yep. and Tyler Bertuzzi still out for that matter as well. Yep. Um, this one hurts. This one hurts the Red Wings a lot. And Dylan Larkin's not projected to be out, you know, several weeks. From what I understand, it's a day-to-day thing. But his presence was – it was noticeable in mm-hmm. the second game that the Wings played against the Hawks this week. And we'll touch on that, you know, later in the episode. But – if you weren't if you weren't under the impression that the rings or the wings were going to hit rock bottom, I don't think you can deny it at this point. They're they're pretty much certified there. But there are those little victories. Unfortunately, we do see the lack of Larkin on the ice with his leadership um, that he carries that he brings with the players. So missing him is noticeable, and it won't get much worse than that. Like you said. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to play without a captain. You know, it's he's the heart and soul of your team. There's a reason why he's named the captain. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, you could tell that, especially in game two, like you guys just mentioned, it, it was noticeable with the you – know, it's just everything wasn't on the same right page. Like, it just felt like whatever could fall apart would. And, you know, hopefully we see Larkin out there soon because he's a, a joy to watch even as a Blackhawks fan. It's fun to see him on the ice. Yeah. It makes the wings a lot more entertaining. So, yeah, hopefully nothing too serious and we see him out there soon for you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of injuries, though, and this isn't necessarily an injury in itself. Um, it's like the reverse of an injury. Um, Evgeny Svechnikov is officially healthy. He came back and played for the Wings this week, and he looked pretty decent. Um, not superstar level, but he looked very good. Um, two goals and what was it? Two goals and two assists? I believe so, yeah. I know he had two goals. But yeah, for sure. He had two goals. I know he at least had one assist this week. Um, he's on pace for 30 goals this season. <laughs> but all jokes aside, I thought he actually looked really decent, especially considering the fact that he hasn't really been playing pro at the NHL type level for, you know, the past year, basically. Yeah, I mean, he's a player that you can tell these injuries were – hurting him not just physically of course but mentally like can he compete especially with players we've brought in and he came on that ice and he looked hungry like angry like he wanted to be there and he wanted to fight for a spot and by all means he fought well for that spot Mm -hmm. so and like he played like he hadn't even missed a step like I didn't have any noticeable glaring issues with him. Like he was a player that was checking. He was getting the puck. He was getting himself in the right spots. Um, Great to like, this is the guy I wanted him to be. And I hope he can keep that up. Yeah. I think this is all about taking advantage of the open opportunities that the Red Wings have now. And if there's anyone that you would love to see to take it, it's if again, he's Fetchikov. He's a guy that's been kind of just like we've been saying, odd man out unfortunately with due to injury and just just certain situations and now maybe he's finally taking control of a situation that he could actually control 
So yeah. it's great to see for him. Uh, I just checked the stat. It's two goals and one assist. Okay. Still three points in two games against the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, Not bad. Uh, it gets you a little excited to see what's, uh, what there is to come. So hopefully we continue to see this out of Evgeny and hopefully he can stay healthy. And I mean, what is it? it might be worth the wait. <laughs> It, like you know, that's the interesting thing. Also, is I mean, this was this was his first games this year with the club, and he scores back to back goals. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't playing with you know a guy like Larkin who can help facilitate him chances. He was playing with guys like Franz Nielsen and who was he playing with? Valtteri Filippo, I think. Yeah, I think so. So like, this isn't superstars that he's getting paired with, and he's just sort of riding their coattails. This is this is him putting in work. Mm-hmm. He was a bottom pair. I think he was fourth line in the first game and maybe the second game. So a fourth liner scoring a goal by mm-hmm. all means. Keep it up, kiddo. Yeah. Um, the other thing also is, you know, I don't want to say that his injury was a good thing because obviously it's not. The Wings would have loved to have seen him early. Uh-huh. Um, one thing I think I kind of want to, you know, touch on is the Wings are amid this this rebuild. Management has said, you know, we're not making the playoffs this year. Do you guys think that the fact that he's had his ice time basically halted for almost two years now and it's pushing those contract negotiations back? If he stays long term with the wings, his contract will be staggered in years with Mm -hmm. like, you know, Bertuzzi's or Mantha's or Larkin's, for example. Do you think the fact that, you know, he had that two years of missed time and it's going to allow us to, I don't want to say undervalue, but cap-wise undervalue him as a player and make him a steel contract when the wings are competitive again, if he continues to be good. I think so. I think it could be a blessing, so to speak, in disguise, because if he can play the way he's been playing these last two games, he could be a player that, like you said, would be a steal um, for us, especially if we become competitive again. He could fit in the bottom six lines he could even or the bottom two lines or he could fit in the top two lines on a given day so being able to work around the tracks with other players how we have contract years here but he's then farther down the road i think that would be a major plus yeah i think that is a potential opportunity here just because you know in negotiations he really won't have any leverage like We've seen it happen with the Blackhawks and Dylan Strome. Like he had a year and a half of success. You don't get paid big time money with only a year and a half success. You get paid for what you've done and what you, they think you could still do. So yeah, I think a guy like Svechnikov, you know, we continue to see this ride. He'll get a, a, a little bit of a pay raise, but not like a dramatic one. Yeah. And you could, you could probably keep him around and maybe, I mean, who knows if he's like a top, top end winger on the first or second line, but he's still going to be a nice contributing depth, depth, depth piece jeez oh, if, it, if it was ken holland he'd be getting a big raise mm-hmm. he'd be the highest paid player in the league how old are you oh you're not old enough sorry but i mean and that's a thing right like let's say the wings after this year if he continues to produce like this they say you know we're going to sign you to a two-year deal making two million dollars a year that's not breaking your bank for a guy who's basically playing you know bottom six wing maybe middle six wing for you i mean really that's that's not a terrible spot to be in cap wise or team wise. And again, mm-hmm. worst case scenario, they trade him at the deadline. I don't think they will, but no, no, he's too young for us to really quit on him now. I mean, and I think at this rate too, like for a guy like Evgeny Svechnikov, 
wouldn't you just want to be able to be in an opportunity where you could play and showcase your skills? And, you know, he's gotten the short end of the stick so many times before, and this is really his opportunity. So why would you, like, I think a guy like him will take that pay cut or take, do whatever it takes to get out on the ice and play in the NHL mm-hmm. and really just show what he could be and what he is. Exactly. Um, and then I feel like there's one other piece of wings news that I'm not talking about. Um, Bernier Gagne. Yes. So I, we'll kind of use this to segue into the Blackhawks as well. But so I mentioned at the start of the episode, you know, we're talking about, you know, the trade deadline coming up. Right. And again, it's kind of weird because the league has a trade deadline on paper that says, you know, this date, this is the day that you can't make trades after because of how COVID works and the fact that there's going to be that quarantine period before players can go to, you know, a Canadian club or a Canadian player can come down to the United States, for example, looking at, you know, Detroit's, roster it looks like they could potentially move a guy like glenn denning or bernier potentially for trade this year and or even bobby ryan for that matter um bobby ryan's on a one-year deal i it seems like he likes what steve eiserman has going to detroit i think he would come back if eiserman wanted to resign him um same thing with glenn denning the wings have treated him very well and he's the perfect example of a player that the wings want just looking at Detroit's player pool right now, who do you guys think are the realistic moves that we're going to start really talking about for a trade deadline that's coming up? Because again, the league's got a date on paper, but the quarantine period has to move it up for the Canadian teams. I mean, I could see Gagne being on the deadline. I could see as much as I don't want to lose him, Bobby Ryan on the deadline. Heck I could even see Bernier a team get a really good player to back up their goalie to make a deep playoff run. Um, those are the three that really stick out to me the most. Yeah. I think a guy like Bobby Ryan right now, just because he's, he leads your team in points and he's your highest point scorer on the team. Uh, you know, Sam Gagne again, like all these one year deal guys. Um, I mean, the Jews is kind of playing well, he, he could be an interesting piece. Mark Stahl, I don't think anyone's really going to touch. But, yeah, I mean, Bernie is one of the – Bernie is probably – I think I, between him and Bobby Ryan, I think those are the top two real um, pieces worth going after on their wet Red Wings. I think Sam Gagne is one of those guys that could get that could strike iron from time to time. Mm-hmm. But uh, those are your probably more two consistent options on the Red Wings that will be available at the trade deadline. Um. Luke Glendening, I think, is one that I really think if a team's going to move for, they're going to move for. No, you don't think so, David? I don't want to lose him. I don't want to lose him either, but man, like the fact that he's the best face-off man in the league, he plays a great defensive game, he can play penalty kill. Like, Give me your first. I'll tell him the first. Uh, oh. And the fact that he's cheap, like, man, that is, <laughs> that is like the perfect storm for a trade deadline deal that is going to get you a decent return. It's, a, it's got all the makings. He's a UFA upcoming too, correct? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. It's either this coming year or the year after, but I mean, if the wings can get a first round draft pick for Glenn Denning, I would trade that at this point. I mean, face-offs is a stat that a lot of these teams look at, like they're in love with, they're infatuated with it. I mean, 68% is what he's at right now. 
It's it's in the 60s, yeah. It's upper mm-hmm. 60s. I know that. Pat Foley gave him a shout-out on the Hawks broadcast the other night. But, yeah, I mean, he may be a fourth-line guy on these competitive teams, but you need those players. Like, mm-hmm. you need those players. You need a guy that's going to shut down on the PK unit or be defensively responsible. I think, yeah, I, 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 I feel bad for leaving him out because a guy like Luke Glendening is what some of these teams need to be a, a true Stanley Cup contender. I, I don't feel bad for leaving him out because I left him out on purpose. I mean, I think he's he could realistically net a first round picks, and, but like a second, <laughs> a second rounder and a fourth rounder, maybe. Like, it it there's no market right now, so that's kind of what is hard to discuss. Like, there's really no market out there. We're gonna probably see that in the coming weeks, but yeah, he's an enticing option. Mm-hmm. I mean. Well, you know, power plays, for example, you put him at the center position on the power play. He takes the draw. He sends it back to one of your guys at the blue line. Your team spreads out and congratulations. You have possession. You can start cycling like that sort of stuff is very valuable to teams, especially in the playoffs where one or two goals really matters. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the amount. Yeah. I mean, that's how you produce goals. If you win the face off in the offensive zone. That could either be goals. You you have possession. No. Well, yeah. I mean, it's. I know it's so stupid to say, but that could be the difference between one or two goals in a hockey game is you you winning that offensive zone draw. Thanks, Jared Madden. <laughs> um, score more than the other team. That's really it for the wings news that I can think of right now. But um, since we're talking about the trade deadline and sort of players that can be traded, um. You guys sort of brought this up, Nick. I mean, the fact that Dylan Strom has sort of been like in talks of trades with you guys, like I'm trying to think of what other Blackhawks players would be up for trade talks that realistically could fetch a, a pretty decent return. Like I think Strom could. Um, See, the problem is they have so many rookies and you don't want to trade away those rookies. So No, but we have made signings where it would make sense. Sorry, I'll let you finish your thought, Jordan. Go ahead. Oh, you're good. But no, like, I think Dylan Strom is one that is a pretty decent name that you guys could be talking about. You know, is this guy going to get traded this season? Um, I stand by, like, I know it would suck for Chicago fans, but Dominic Kubelik, dude, I think you could get a King's Ransom for him right now. You could get a Tatar deal out of him, maybe you, more. I legit think you could. I think you could get a Tatar deal out of him. Yeah, I mean, I think he could because he's still an RFA, but he, he's what the Blackhawks mold has been wanting. Like, they've been wanting these mid-20s guys that could be a catalyst for what this team should be, and mm-hmm. that's, what, that's what Stan Bowman preached. He's like, we don't have any of these guys that are 22 to 26. Well, you got Dominic Kubelik, who is 25. So, like, yeah, he's – you could probably get a lot for him, but is he worth, you know, taking a chance on a guy because a team in the late a playoff team is going to want him. So mm-hmm. the late first round and the Hawks aren't really sellers right now either. That's the difficult thing. Like this is where the Hawks, like I don't want them to stay pat at the deadline or coming weeks to the deadline. Well, like we've been talking about, it's going to be a weird trade deadline season, but what options do we really have to move? And that's like, the reason why I said Dylan Strom, I, I mean, I've been kind of pumping the tires to trade him probably, what, the last year or so. Tim's, Tim's been the guy that's trying to keep him around. I know he's a big Tim, uh, Dylan Strom fan, but they're not active. So per Mark Lazarus of The Athletic, they're not actively shopping. 
but he said they're sure as hell listening, which means like we've seen guys like Pius Suter, Philip Kershev, Ryan Carpenter even playing center. Like the, there's guys, and then we already have Jonathan Taze and Kirby Dock still on IR. And, you know, Dylan Strome, that means he has to move down to the third line, maybe even the fourth line. Like that's not worth keeping him around. Mm-hmm. And okay. he's not playing with his boy, Alex Dabrinkit. So, and in the, that two-year deal, I heard that. So they were talking about that. They said that two-year deal was really crucial for them because you don't have to pay him a lot of money. He's still an RFA when his contract ends. And that gives you flexibility. Like that's what, that's why the Hawks didn't sign Crawford's. They wanted the flexibility. Well, okay. they have that with Dylan Strome and it, he's a young player, very, a very good playmaker. If he can move to the wing, I think the Hawks hang on to him, but I think he's going to end up trading. Maybe not this season, maybe not the trade deadline, but uh, after this season. Um, that's something actually I kind of wanted to touch on. Like if let's say you guys trade Strom, for example, do you think that you guys are still a playoff team? I mean, at that point you are literally running a bunch of rookie centers. Yeah. I mean, that's a good question because like we'll get into it. We got that difficult March schedule and we've been playing without him right now because he's on, uh, concussion yeah. protocol but yeah you kind of I mean it's weird to say that Dylan Strom's one of the veteran centers on this team but he is and, and I mean he's young he's young don't get me wrong but he, he's the guy with them I think he's he's been on this team longer than any of our centers right now mm-hmm. so yeah it's are we still a playoff team uh I don't know I still don't think we're a playoff team right now mm-hmm. but yeah, he's got to be one of the more interesting names out there. You know, I think the Hawks are going to want a nice little return for him just because of how friendly his deal is. And I mean, he's a top four forward on this team right now. You got that's actively playing. You got Patrick Kane, Dominic Kublik, Dylan Strome, and Alex Dorinkit. And I mean, you got the rookies, but it's hard. It's really hard to put a price tag on him. Yeah. And then just like a few other names while we're on that topic, I think a guy like Matthias Yamark. We could see being shipped. I think Calvin DeHaan is an intriguing name, a top four guy. I wouldn't want to see him go, but with Seattle lottery coming up, it's going to be tough to hang on to him in the expansion draft. So you might want to get assets for him. Uh, a guy like Carl Soderberg, maybe Ryan Carpenter. Like there's the Blackhawks have all these bottom six guys that are worth trading, but it depends on what you get for a specific player. Yeah. That's one thing I think, you know. I've enjoyed watching you guys completely prove the naysayers wrong this season. I have myself included. And I think it's hard because management is in this weird position where, you know, they didn't expect to be here. I don't think at the start of the season, they didn't expect to be in a playoff position and they've got to really decide, you know, are we going to be a playoff team or are we not going to be? And it's so hard to say we're there right now, but we where? don't have long-term pieces for it and it it would only set them back where they want to be down the road it's that's got to be such a hard position for management to be in it's it's like it's like the basically the situation the Red Wings were in for the last three to four years of when they were making the playoffs of where we bottomed out if they wanted to miss the playoffs they could have absolutely sold players and missed the playoffs but at the same time with the roster they had they were a playoff team i mean just i know i know you can't ever root for your team to lose but if you were in the hawks position 
like if you're in, you know, the general manager's position, do you think that looking at this team, you say, we'd love to make the playoffs this year. We would love to get those kids some success, but it's kind of hard to justify not selling these pieces that we could sell for long-term assets. Oh yeah. I, it, it is a difficult position to be in because like you said, they're proven, they're probably even proven the front office round. Like, holy hell, like we're in a tough spot here. And yeah, don't get me wrong. The Hawks aren't going to be going out and buying any players at the deadline. They're not going to be looking to add pieces. They're not going to be looking to add pieces. I don't think they, I mean, Stan has proved me wrong before. Um, <laughs> uh, but I think they're going to be more labeled as like conservative sellers where, Hey, we're not going to give up this guy for nothing, but mm-hmm. you give us the right price. We'll move them because they still have all these young guys they want to bring up. And we've seen flashes in the pan that of guys that were are on the taxi squad or got sent down to Rockford. I mean, it, we wanted to see these young guys come up, make rookie mistakes they have, and they still learn from it and they're still outperforming that, our, our own expectations. So I think if we sell a couple pieces, we get a good return, you know, it improve this rebuild a little bit and, you know, so get some of these rookies, some big games. Hey, I'm all for it. Okay. Okay. Um, while we're obviously on the Blackhawks end of the podcast, um, Patrick Kane had a really, really great milestone this week. Uh, that yes, the big four zero zero 400 goals. Yeah, you could say guys like Ovechkin have more, but Patrick Kane is a much more well-rounded player than Ovechkin is. Probably probably one of the most, if not the most, entertaining player to watch not named Connor McDavid. Just, that was awesome. Like, he's been awesome to watch throughout his career. And hitting number 400 this week, that was really cool to see, especially just the way he got it. Yeah, I mean, the man ages like fine wine. Like, he just improves his tool set time and time again. Like I remember him coming into the league and he was like a, he, he was looked at as like a pure sniper a guy that's a power play specialist and Holy shit. Like what he's turned into, it's just been an absolute joy and pleasure. Like we, I got to, we got to watch him since 2007. Mm-hmm. Like this is going on 14 years of watching Patrick Kane just be as entertaining as it is. And it's just been an absolute pleasure. Like, can you imagine not having Patrick Kane on your hockey team? The Hawks, I don't think, are the same team even close without him. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. I, I think I banged the drum about it last week, but he's got to be top three in heart, the Hart Trophy contention. Mm-hmm. Like He is carrying this team. He was named second star of the week this week again. I think he was named it two weeks ago before. And, God, I mean, he's got another accomplishment coming off up soon, too. Uh, next, knock on wood. But next, not this upcoming week, but the week after, uh, he'll be coming up on a thousand games. So, yeah, I mean, four hundred goals, nothing short. And you know, he seemed like he wanted. He was already chasing five hundred after his post game interview. He said uh, he's still hungry, and you know, just scoring that four hundredth milestone goal against a team like the Detroit Red Wings, your biggest rival at the United Center. Sadly, no fans in attendance, but you know, picture perfect. Yeah. Um- <laughs> I, I loved like just the way that like he sniped it. That one was yeah. really just like I'm trying to think of what the move's called, but it's where like you basically like punch up, you pull it really close to you, then you just flick it off. Toe drag. It's, it's a toe drag. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it was a beauty. I mean it's Patty Kane ask. It's what he's been known to do, just his patience and uh just picked his spot and away we went and milestone and now we're chasing five hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, on to the next one. <laughs> on to the next one. <laughs> 
Uh, but no, but I, I'm the way Patrick Kane plays. He doesn't play a super physical game, so I don't think he's really getting to get worried about you know getting hurt in terms of just you know like his hands, unless he gets smashed. But I'm not gonna jinx it. <laughs> I'm not. No, I mean he's gonna more cider. We'll have a word with him. He's gonna be one of those guys whose game is just going to grow with him as his even as he ages because like he doesn't play a physical style and you know his vision is still always going to be there and his playmaking ability is still always going to be there maybe he'll lose some of that goal scoring impact but mm-hmm. we're going to see the same play like kind of like how joe thornton he's finally reaching his progression at 41 yeah how long did it take for that to happen yeah like patrick kane is nowhere near that so i mean we're just seeing him on his a game and it just seems like the older he gets, the better he plays. When is this? To be, it's not, to be fair to about be Joe fair. Thornton, to be fair, <laughs> he can still go. Like he is regressing, but it's not like he's fallen off the wagon. No, yeah, hundred percent. But I mean, God, I, I can't get enough of this. It's just, it's unreal that we get to call him a Chicago Blackhawk. It's fun to watch. That's why I wish, like, I wish like Fedorov never left. Like, I just wanted to see how he would have continued to grow with us throughout the years. Mm-hmm. Like, because he, no offense to Lidstrom or to Iser manager, whoever, but Fedorov was like our star. Yeah, he was. Many years. Him and Iserman were the ones who punch it forward for the Red Wings. Um, speaking of players, though, the Blackhawks have transitioned from, an, I don't want to say older, but don't I guess he is dare. older. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Older player and Patrick Kane. Um, some of your guys' newer players have had a little bit of moves. Um, Nick Bodan got sent down, and then um, just Adam Boquist has looked just a he's seemed like he started to make improvements on the blue line this week. Um, still not amazing, you know, taking over games. I think that Boquist has looked better this recent stretch. Yeah, no, Boquist has, you know, he's playing. I think like we, I've been saying, it's all about his confidence and he's playing with a little more confidence now. Like he's not, he doesn't look clueless when the puck's on a stick anymore. He, he's making quick passes. He's being that creative uh, offensive asset while looking pretty responsible in his defensive zone. I heard, you see, I heard his name several times throughout this past week saying nice play Boquist or, uh, you know, Boquist is, uh, he's pitch, he's holding at the blue line. And this is what we wanted to see. Like we've been, I just wanted to see confidence and consistency in his game. And, you know, on the power play, he had a nice goal against Columbus in the bumper position. And I think that's the way they got to utilize him, like get him the puck and uh, opportunity to shoot. Like that's why you drafted him in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Like He is an offensive talent while being a, while being a defenseman. And he's mm-hmm. one of the rare anomalies where he he's electric with the puck on a stick. So you got to let him shine in those moments and the confidence is building on the kid and, I'm excited. You know, I've, I've been his harshest, harshest critic probably, but you know, uh, I don't, I hope this is not just a flash in a pan, but that it builds his game because uh, he's playing confident. And, you know, I just want that confidence to ride because it could, it could be significant for his development. Yeah. And confidence yeah. is huge. You know, we talked about Svechnikov just a minute ago, missing time and coming back and looking good. Confidence seems to be everything with young players in the NHL. It's, you can make a mistake. It's not dwelling on it, though. That is really going to be what sets you forward as you're developing. Um, you know, we were pretty harsh on him, you know, this last year or, yeah, last year when he was in the playoffs that, you know, he did not look that great making really rushed decisions, not looking like he knew what he was doing. 
it's not the worst thing for a young player to make mistakes. It's a growing process. You know, mm-hmm. a coach can, they can look at your film and say, these are the mistakes that you made. You either made the mistakes here, here, and here, and then walk you through other players' tapes and say, this is the decision that you should have made here, and then walk you through it. Players have to make those mistakes to learn. The NHL is a very fast league, probably the fastest league in the world. There's going to be growing pains, but confidence is everything. Just knowing that, yep, you're going to make mistakes, but at the same time, you can learn from those mistakes. And the less you make them, the better you're going to get, the more your confidence goes up, and good for Boquist. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we were been ha- we were hammering about Ian Mitchell, though. Like, how Ian Mitchell would just – he would make a decision and do it. Like, Boquist is starting to – Boquist is starting to show signs that he's doing it. Like, he'll – even if it's a bad decision, he's he's committed to doing one thing. He's committed to doing that decision, not caught, a, caught in this 50-50, you know, pants around your ankles kind of moment. So, yeah, uh, good for Boquist. I hope to see that grow continuing this week. Uh, Tampa hopefully doesn't play – uh scared but you know we'll see Tampa. and then as for nick bodan i'll just touch that on that quickly uh i was shocked you know he was i thought he was one of our best young defense for the season uh he was he was quarterback in the power play two and even the power play power play one before he got sent down so you know kind of shocking i guess they just want to get more looks with Boak was coming back it was kind of hard so you know as long as it keeps him playing but i love what i've seen out of nick bodan and uh, I think we see him coming up again soon. Uh, maybe this is just to get another guy, another look. Mm-hmm. Um, we can touch on the rest of the league's news just really quick because there's not a ton to touch on. Um, the first is being the um, Claude Julian has been let go from the Montreal Canadiens. I don't think any of us are really that shocked by this. Um, I feel like this was basically just something that we were waiting to have happen. It's just always weird to see middle of the season firings because it's just the other guy has to step in and deal with that hardship. Um, but yeah, it's just, we saw it coming. Just, I didn't expect to see it mid season. Yeah. And you know, at the start of the season, we, I think we were all pretty much on the same page, you know, just with the way that COVID's going on, we couldn't, we didn't really think that there were going to be any coach firings this year, but apparently that's, that's not the case. Um, and then I mean, the other, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, just – I don't know what their expectations were in Montreal. Just – I don't know. Nine, six, and five, I don't think it's terrible, but it, it's still holding fourth in the division. That's what the weird thing is. So that's still a playoff spot. Yeah. But, but yeah, for it to be happening this season, yeah, I, I think Tim was a bit a big advocate of saying, like, nobody's going to get fired this year. Like, you can't fire a coach during COVID. But, you know, yeah. those those Quebec guys, they're, they're wild. Yeah. And I know Jordan and I have been talking about Blashill and all that stuff, and his contract expires next season. Mm-hmm. I think we let him ride out, and if we're starting to become more competitive, I think we bring in someone that can help push that competitiveness more. Because no wrong against Blashill. He's great at developing guys, and he's got up with these young guys that came up from the Griffins with him. But I don't think he's a Stanley Cup winning coach. Yeah, And that's the thing. Like, As a development coach, I love Jeff Blashill. You know, Tatar turned out decent. Nyquist turned out decent. Mrazek turned out decent. The time that he's had with, you know, Bertuzzi, he's turned out decent. The mm-hmm. Philip Hironic and Larkin, Mantha, those guys have, they've grown pretty decently. But at the NHL level, he's just, he's not generating results. And mm-hmm. again, I love, I would love 
to have Blashell down in the Griffins coaching players because I think he does. I think he does a great job of facilitating growth. Do you think he would go back? I don't think so. But then again, what NHL team would take him? And that's the thing that I think has to really be talked about and you know thought of is Jeff Blashell, if he goes to a team – he doesn't have any swaying power in negotiations or when he's selling himself. He can't say, you know, I coached this team to the playoffs five straight years or something like that. Like, what if he, um, you know, takes a job with the Wings as a player development type of thing, front office type gig? Do you think he I, would do that? I would actually really like that. Again, like, I would be fine with him even coaching Grand Rapids because I, like I said, I do like his development path and. If I, I can't say that players didn't develop under him because, again, Tatar, Nyquist, Morazic, Larkin, Bertuzzi, Mantha, Hironic. goes on. They've developed, but they just can't put it all together at the NHL level. And, you know, yeah, you can say Tatar, Nyquist, and Morazic went elsewhere. Okay, fine. But I don't know. I just – I feel like the Wings are going to have to get somebody else at the coaching position to really put these pieces in place and get them playing – Yep. to a level that's putting them in the playoffs. We'll see. I think he I think he rides out his contract and then we got to look at who is going to be available around that time and are we going to be on that upswing of becoming competitive. I'm trying to remember did Gerard Gallant get picked up yet? I don't think so. Oh. Not yet. Maybe he's got like a handshake agreement with Steve Eiserman where he's like, look, man, I'm going to pay you whatever you want. Just wait till the season starts and then you're going to come in. But it's Gallant. It's that or Seattle. It's, it's got to be either that or Seattle. Although I thought Seattle already had a head coach. Do they? Uh, now I'm going to want to Google it. We'll, we'll, I'll look it up after the show. You keep um, talking. I'll look Oh no, Nick! <laughs> Nick robot. He's going robot. Um, but yeah, that's just that's a piece of news, really quick to touch on. Just the head coach thing with Claude Julien over in Montreal with the Canadians. Um, Kraken don't have a coach. Don't have one, okay. Um, Nick's frozen. He is. He's I frozen. I can hear you. There you are. All right. We'll see how long he stays back for. Before the robots get him again. Hello, hello. Can you hear us? I hear you. Oh man, poor our poor audience. Our poor audience. This episode, they're what the hell is going on with these guys? Hey, you know, twenty twenty or it's twenty twenty one now. Brought a lot of problems, but I guess technology still won't ever be figured out. Twenty fifteen? No, it's not. (laughs) Pitter patter. Let's get at her. Uh, Pitter patter. And then the uh, there's one other piece of league news, and I don't know if it's necessarily news, but it's been a talk that's been you know brought up a couple times. Should the league delay this upcoming draft just because of the fact that COVID basically is taking a year away from development for these kids? So that's where I'm confused. Um, so if they delay it till 2022, mm-hmm. does that then push back the next set of prospect pools? So, oh. You want me to go? They're going to be combined. So, no, yeah. So, the guys that are eligible for the 2021 draft are only will only get selected. So, it's going to be like two back-to-back drafts, essentially. 
so like that's what uh, we'll get into we'll get into like how we feel about it in a second but like so like the standings this year would affect how the 2021 draft in in 2022, 2022 pans out would go so it would be you would have one draft maybe one weekend in 2022 and another draft like the weekend after so it's a it's a big confusion so if a guy gets gets passed over in the 2021 draft He's eligible for the 2022 draft, but like 2022 oh um, eligible players are not eligible for the 2021 draft. So wait, 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 rewind. So the way the standings end up. So if the wings stay at the second seed, does that mean we're still going to be that same seeding for the second draft? Just the 2021 draft. So then how do they determine the 2022 draft? On that season standing. So like where the lottery would end up, like if the draft doesn't happen this year, it's only going to be after this season's rankings. Oh, so the draft for this year would be pushed back, and yes. then we still play the 2021-2022 season, yes. and then that would, okay. Yes, and then that season's standings would affect only the 2022 draft. Like, this is – the NHL, oh, they're planning – we've seen with the disaster in Lake Tahoe, I think this is this going to be another situation. So what? how do you guys feel about it? I don't know. I'm just – I'm just ready for them to find another way to screw the Red Wings, and I'm sure they will. I get that the league wants to give these teams a chance to evaluate players before they draft them. I get that. I respect that. Okay. But you're going to get into this weird position where these teams are trying to stagger picks based on who they think is not going to get drafted in, you know, that draft and then they're also going to be looking at that next year's you know group of draft eligible players and you're you're trying to pick from two drafts at the same time which i don't like because at that point you're not making a i don't feel like you're making an informed decision at that point you haven't seen what the guys you just drafted look like i think it's almost worse yeah it, it's so i understand the only part I understand from like these GMs that want uh, Stevie Y is a bit a big advocate of delaying this a season uh, a year, which the only part I could see why is, you know, uh, these kids get another year to play in junior and build their draft stock. That's about mm-hmm. it. But the way I look at it, you're taking only a year away of potential professional hockey from them. Like they mm-hmm. could be coming in at 18 years old and now they got to wait till they're 19 years old. And like, yeah, sure. It doesn't seem like a big deal. Like, oh, one year. Most of you guys don't start in the NHL right away, anyways. But it is. It's a year of professional hockey, a year of development at, at another level. And you know, these kids have plans too. They these guys are going to be these guys are where they're at in their draft position for a reason. Mm-hmm. And it's not like you've only been scouting these guys for one year. These are kids you've had an eye on for more than one year. Like, what if, if you've exactly. been only scouting the last few months? What the hell have you been doing? Like this, yeah. you've got to be prepared. Like. This is not just a one-year thing. These are you've known about these kids for three years. And yep, and now it comes time. That's the biggest point that you just made for me is that you're you would be taking a year away from their professional career, and I think that would suck because that's a year they'll never get back. Yes, they'll be playing in juniors, but would you rather play in Saskatchewan, Canada, or in Madison Square Garden? Like, come on, choice is easy. I mean. Also, from an asset perspective of these franchises, you don't know what you have. Like mm-hmm. le- next year, you 
like this year you may be like, yeah, we need a center. We need a center. We're going to take this kid at three overall. We're going to get our future center of our organization. Yep. But then next year you might have a kid that comes out of nowhere and, you know, it takes away like this kid's a can't miss prospect, this number three overall center, whatever you want to call it. But you, then you have a, a flash in a pan, like a guy that you didn't expect to be good. And he only has one good season. You don't draft that center. And then the guy comes back and has a shitty year after that. Like you're missing out on a potential franchise impacting player. So yep. I think it's just hard to postpone it. And that's just not the right thing to do here. I mean, exactly. there's also like a lot of player ramifications that people haven't, re- I haven't really seen brought up, you know, like for example, the players who do make the NHL straight out of draft, that's a year, not only of just playing time, but actual salary they're going to miss out on. And also that's a year of, you know, RFA negotiations that mm-hmm. is going to have to get affected. I mean, you look at, you know, this coming year's draft, right? You think a guy like Owen Power really wants to go and just either sit over in a league up in Canada somewhere for a year while he waits to get drafted. I know I wouldn't yeah. not when I could be potentially playing in the NHL, getting real, real <laughs> competition minutes. There's, there's more cons than there are pros to the situation. And unfortunately we, and those kids don't make decisions. It's Gary Bettman, the NHL and GM that make that decision. So unfortunately I feel like the kids are going to get outvoted and the adults are going to make a decision that may not be as beneficial to them. I mean, the other thing is, I mean, the players union would have to, uh, I would assume the players union would have to agree this, correct? Just because of the way that, you know, you would have a whole draft worth of players coming in and they'd have legitimate grievances against the players union. If they wanted to have been drafted the year and be like, why didn't you guys stick up for us? Blah, blah, blah. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like that's a legit criticism that these younger players could have with the players union or the league in general. Yeah. I mean, I, f- I feel like if this does get postponed and you draft a kid and you play him on your NHL roster right away, that should, you should, he should uh, only have what, what would it be two years? So he should enter. If you start him on your roster right after that 2021 slash 2020 draft in 2022, you start him around your roster, you only get him for two years on his entry level. Yep. Because you know you're gonna play them, you're gonna do the same damn thing this season, uh, that season. So, what was the big difference? Mm-hmm. And that's that's it. Like I think if if this happens, that should be the case. And also, the player should make double salary for that year as well. That's only fair. Yeah, make up for loss for us. I mean, the, you guys are a billion dollar organization. They didn't count against your cap, but pay these kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was kind of something interesting that came up this week that I wanted to talk about as well. Um, we can officially get into the flashback and the flash forward unless you guys have anything else to talk about. Nope. So, I don't know that is. <laughs> this past week was rivalry week on the podcast. The Wings and the Blackhawks played each other twice this week. Um, we'll go ahead and touch on those after we've done the other games for the week for both clubs. So the two games that the Wings played this week that were not against the Hawks were against the Nashville Predators. They had a 2-0 loss and then they had a 5-2 win. The 2-0 loss, I feel like it could have been worse. Yep. The 5-2 win, I don't know. I I did not feel like they deserved that win by that margin. I mean, no, but they were playing their butts off at certain times, which is why we got the goals we got. I mean, Gagne scored from behind the net. Like, yeah. <laughs> he, he was 
he was forcing his hand in there. And um, I think we predicted it to be a two point thing where we're going to lose one and win one. So we were right there. Um, but yeah, the margin looked a lot different because of that empty netter. It was only a two goal game really, but still wins a win. I'll take it. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that the wings looked amazing. The series versus Nashville. I thought they looked okay. I think they looked like a serviceable hockey club. They, again, I didn't think that they really, they came out guns blazing like they did against the Hawks the first game, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, I don't know. Just, Unique showing from Detroit because again, I don't think it was like a systems thing. I don't think the systems looked terrible. I didn't think the play looked terrible, but they just they didn't really seem to have that competitive edge to them. Yeah. Um, and then the Hawks this week, you guys had two games against the Columbus Blue Jackets. You guys had a six-five win over them, and then you had a two-zero win over them. <laughs> yeah, two completely polar opposite games. <laughs> I mean, a six-five shootout against a team like Columbus that is. Nerve-wracking. I mean, <laughs> shit. <laughs> it, it scares me. Like, the fact that these the Hawks can play these games and then there's games where the defense just completely shuts down and, you know, lets Patrick Line just snipe corner to corner all they want from his little kitchen over there. Uh, but, yeah, I, this team just battled through adversity against that game one. Uh, uh, you know, somehow with not many offensive – you know, finishers on the Blackhawks, they still find a way to contribute. Uh, I called it. Brandon Hagel scored his first career NHL goal this week. The proud it took you it took you a while. You were calling it every game. Basically. No, 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 no. I was, be- I was I was betting on it. We were rooting for it, but I said Brandon Hagel scoring this week. And first game, what does he do? You know, I gave him we gave him a little bump on this one. So, um, but yeah, uh, then Malcolm Subban, really the story of game two kind of blossomed yeah. first career, his first shutout as a Hawk might be his first career. I honestly don't know, but yeah, he, you know, and then due to that game, he kind of got to got him the game one start against Detroit. So I, I thought they were going to split that series of Hawks and, you know, they won the game, won both games in two completely different fashions. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's touch on the Detroit and Chicago games because <laughs> This, I don't know, it It was such a weird series this week. So the first game, Detroit wins 5-3 over Chicago. Offensively, I thought Detroit was firing on all cylinders. I thought that overall they were the better team than Chicago that first game. But I don't know, like I didn't think Chicago really looked bad. Yeah, I mean... Mm. <laughs> Well, I, the Hawks came out firing to start. Like they were out playing Detroit by large margin. I think they were. At, there was a point in the first period they're out shooting him fourteen to two. It was pretty ridiculous. But then you, you guys pulled the Red Wings. <laughs> Honestly, like that's what it was. Like we had the fourth line. I thought was the best line that game between with Carp, uh, Ryan Carpenter, David Camp, and Matthew Highmore. They in a surge from the little bubble in Edmonton this past uh, uh, whatever playoffs you want to call it now. And then, yeah, besides that, we dominated the first, but really nothing showing for it. And then I, I liked Philip Kershev too. You know, he's kind of attacking. He was attacking rebounds, getting the dirty areas and still uh, swift in his way through. So 
Other than that, yeah. I mean, Malcolm Subban, I didn't think he had a great game. Uh, Bernie, Bernie, Bernie was in that, that game, right? Yeah, first game they win. Yeah, he was yeah. In. yeah, so Bernier, I, I, the previous games against the Hawks, I said he played great and he continued to show. I, I was shocked. I was shocked they didn't go back to – oh, not – I can't say I was shocked because Subban had that shutout, but Lincoln and it had the Wings number. So, uh, yeah, tough loss against the Red Wings, but I, I think I said they were going to split that series anyway. So it shows that we're really not that far apart skill-wise. Like our teams are they, – they compete against each other. They do. It's fun to watch, real fun to watch. And that's the thing. Like when both of these clubs are playing high-intensity hockey at the same time, they're actually really competitive games. It's – the second game that they played this series, this is a unique one because I mean, I'm just looking at the stats right here. The yeah, the Hawks won seven two over the Red Wings. the The Wings were they put like what was it forty something shots on Lincoln in that game? Yeah, forty six. And to Chicago's credit, Chicago absolutely took advantage of Detroit's defensive lapses when Detroit left them. This loss is not on Thomas Grice. Thomas Grice played perfectly reasonable when they were at mm-hmm. five on five and when there were decent defensemen in, in the zone. But man, the Red Wings completely left him out to dry on yep. I think three of those chances. And the Hawks, they didn't they didn't hesitate when they got him. They did what we couldn't do in that second game. They finished their chances. Mm-hmm. The wings, as we saw, we said earlier with Larkin being missing, we were missing that leadership presence to motivate and push them forward to get them into those goals. Yeah, I mean, again, it's another one of those games where the the scoreboard won't show it, but the Wings played a much closer game than it really indicates. Just because mm-hmm. you know we scored seven goals, but you guys outshot us. Like it, you, you it peppered was, like it in left and right. It was bad. I it was two to one. And I left the room to go help put some of the laundry away. And I come back and it was five to one. I'm like, what, what just happened? I mean, yeah, the, the Hawks controlled, the Hawks controlled the second period and the third period pretty dominantly, but like, I I mean, not even dominantly, but they, they were just doing all things right. And like, they were keeping, they were keeping possession in the offensive zone. Something you really don't see much with. uh, You didn't take, you didn't take your foot off the gas is what happened. You guys just kept rolling and just kept pressing forward. Yeah. I mean, it was just a complete game and you know, it, like, like you said with Grice, I didn't think he looked terrible. It was just kind of one of those unfortunate, just a rough night. Hawks were kind of firing all cylinders. And uh, yeah, the big takeaway from that one was uh, with Patrick Kane scoring his 400th career goal. And then uh, our boy, Brandon Hagel, he had a nice little play to set everything up, keeping a puck into the blue line. So yeah, you know, good bounce back from a tough loss. Kevin Lincoln looked fantastic. 44 saves on 46 shots. So good for him. Uh, yeah, it was a hell of a game. And, you know, always fun to cap off rivalry week for the third week in a row. I'm going to miss it if the NHL moves back to the normal conferences. Like, ah, I'm going to be so angry. I don't get why they don't just keep the conferences that they have now. Like, aside from the Canadian teams not being able to play with United States teams, these divisions make so much sense logistically. But also, once COVID kind of goes away, I think they could still look at and have Canada move up and down because then they could be like, who's the best Canadian team in their conference? Like the North. Who's the best in the North? And like, that would be fun to see, like Canada just freaking rivalry with each other. 
But come on, the NHL, they've always been terrible at marketing. So you really think they would let this great opportunity right in their face? Hire me. I'll do it. You think they would actually take advantage of this great opportunity? No. Like, you know how many more Canadian fans would tune? I mean, don't get me wrong. Hockey is like God's gift out there. But like, imagine, like you're more motivated to watch Edmonton versus Calgary nine times a season. Or you're like, yeah, you could still play the like the American teams. Mm-hmm. But you will have more games across your like, your, your country yes, in Canada. So like, do it. Toronto would play the Jets more. Toronto would play Edmonton. Like Who Austin Matthews versus Connor McDavid. You have that to market, and you just re- the, you're going to refuse to do so. It's the Canada rivalry. Who is the best Canadian team? And that would just be so fun to see that rivalry just on fire. Like I love it. I'm trying to think in the traditional 82 game season inside the division, each team usually plays the other teams in the division. What is it? Five or six times a season. I want to say five. So even if you just take like one of those games from each of those people who they play normally during the year and they say, okay, we're going to take those teams and those games and we're going to move them over to a different Canadian team who is pretty close to them logistically. So, like, you know, you take the games that Edmonton was going to play, for example, versus the U.S. team, and they say, you know what, that game, that's not going to be Edmonton versus them. That's going to be Edmonton versus Calgary instead. Or, like, you know, Detroit and Chicago, for example, right? Like, okay, that game that Detroit was going to play against the Ottawa Senators, nope, that's going to be a game of Detroit versus Chicago instead. It's a rivalry game. It's... These divisions give the NHL so much good marketing material. And it, it would be dumb of the league not to take it. It's, it's literally free money in their laps. It's free real estate. And you'd still do that preferred schedule too. Like kind of, I, I like what they're doing this season with the little mini series in each game. Or mm-hmm. yeah, like they're playing two the game like an MLB schedule, kind of like how mm-hmm. the Major League Baseball works. It gives you more opportunities to do that because yep. you could just stay local. You, you travel like a team like Edmonton travels to Toronto, play back to back games, or yeah, play a it's, Saturday it's a Monday idea. there. Yeah, it, this yeah. works out if they want to go that route. But like, again, it's Gary Bettman in the NHL. Keep them the way they are at the conferences, and then when we get the full eighty-two games back, just piece in things here and there but keep those rivalries intact like it's easy money canadians will eat this up we'll eat this up wings blackhawks like that's a huge rivalry i want mm-hmm. that more and more bruins and and flyers and penguins and fly like just mm, do it i mean the new york rangers and the new york islanders the nhl is basically like with this covid season being given the ability to print dollars, like and they're going to print dollars. They're going to screw it up. Just watch. Um, we can go ahead and uh, anyway, get back to the, the actual teams. News. Stars of the week. The stars of the week. Yes. Um, <laughs> so Nick, you think, you know what Tim's would be? Yeah. You know, I think a guy like Tim for the Blackhawks, he's going to go Patrick Kane. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, you know, I got to keep the, you guys always make fun of me now and you guys are expecting me to do it this week again, but I'm not. So Tim threw is. it on Tim. Yeah, Tim is. Uh, I mean, come on, nine points in four games, four on career goal, coming up on a thousand games in the NHL. 
it's so it's second star of the week. It's just so hard to really take that away. He had yep. four four goals, three goals this past week, and six assists. What can he do? I mean, yep. he continues to be the most dominant American-born player on all of NHL history. So, yeah, congrats, Tim. You got Patrick Kane this week as your player of the week, as I'm sure you had chosen. So who do you choose, then? As for me, Just I'm going to go with... Oh. What? I I had an idea. It's oh, been go, foiled. Go, go, go. No, no, you know who... backtrack. Pretend it never happened. Dang it. All right, David, who do you think that uh, Nick Star of the Week would be? It's going to be Lankin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How long were you writing that for? A couple seconds. Oh. No, yeah. Uh, so, no, mine is not Patrick Kane because Tim chose it. So, Gosh, Jordan. My player of the week is going to be Alex DeBrinkett. Okay. He had two goals, five assists this, week, uh, uh, this past week. Sorry. And uh, especially going against his former team or his hometown team. So he loves to shine against Detroit, but he's turning into a more complete player as like he grows in, in front of our eyes. He coming in, he was like one of those pure snipers last season. He really struggled with the goal scoring that like he had 19 goals last year coming off when the season before he was at 30 and 35. But now we're seeing him turn into this playmaker where he's chipping pucks up. He's winning board battles. He's giving the puck to Kaner and setting stuff up. And he's playing more of a two-way style game, turning into like – I'm not going to c- compare him to Marion Hosa, but he's playing a style like that. Like he's he's a small guy, but he's battling and he's winning these puck battles that you don't expect him to win. So, yeah, I mean, two goals, five assists. It's great to see him continue to surge. I think he's uh, most deserving behind Patrick Kane for, our player, for the player of the week on the Hawks side. I also like, uh, like I said, I like Boquist's play, but you know, Alex DeBrinkett's continuing to shine playing with Patrick Kane, so uh, I'm gonna have to go with uh, DeBrinkett. Yeah, you know, okay. one thing I've got to ask, like, we've got you know the trophies that happen every year for like you know the Calder, the Vesna, stuff like that. Is Kevin Lincoln and legitimately in the running for the Calder this year? I mean, we were talking about it in the group text before the show, but. At some point, you got to look at his performance as a rookie goaltender and say, that's been really impressive. The fact that a rookie goaltender has had on the regular at least a 90% safe percentage, oftentimes a 92 plus. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I think you kind of have to because in the Central Division, he's been the best rookie, hands down. I mean, if we're going to go division by division, Lafreniere has looked terrible this season. He's kind of kind of looking like what Hughes was last season. I know, or Jack Hughes, I should say. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got Karel Kaprizov over with the Minnesota Wild, who's in the West Division right now. Uh, I really North Division, who's I, I don't know any rookies that are really shining in the North Division. So, and then Tim Stutzel over in the East. So he he's got to be top three right now with Lankinen. I mean, him, Kaprizov, and probably Stutzel are the top three. Other than that, yeah, I mean, I think you have to consider him because mm-hmm. if the Hawks didn't have Lincoln, and who knows where we're at? You know, we've seen Subban shine and Subban have terrible nights. So true, true. Yeah, he. I mean, he's. I think I just seen. I forgot what the stat was. This uh, I just seen today about him, but he's he had nine wins or seven. He was like he had seven wins all throughout February, which is like the most behind. Andre Vasilevsky mm-hmm. playing 
and he plays for the Tampa Bay Lightning. This is playing for the rebuilding Chicago Blackhawks. Good for him, man. Hopefully he keeps it up. How about you guys over in Detroit? Who's guys players of the week? David, who do you got? <sighs> so it was tough for me because I was stuck on two. So one, I had, I wanted to give the kid some credit because he wowed me with Evgeny Svechnikov um, just because didn't expect him to play as well as he did. But now that I've mentioned him as my runner-up, I'm going to pick Bernier. Um, I don't think the wings would have some of the wins we have without him manning the net because the team in front of him has looked god-awful at times, yet he has pulled them from the depths with the saves he makes, especially like the rebound saves and the sprawled stretch saves. Like, like I, I, I don't want to trade him at the deadline just because I like watching him and I feel like he's great. But at the same time, if we can get some good assets out of it, Bernie, I hope you go somewhere where you can win, buddy. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in the same boat. Um, honorary mentioned to Evgeny Svechnikov. Kids came up. He's looked very good. He's absolutely put the work in. But, yeah, Bernie is the player that a lot of nights is helping keep Detroit in the games that they're in. And good on him. I mean, literally, he – he looks like a Vesna caliber goaltender. Yeah. I mean, we had a, we had a Blackhawks fan come to our Reddit page and be like, um, Bernier should be a Vesna candidate, like a finalist. And I'm like, cool. Thanks for saying that. And that's a shame. Cause like Bernier does not get a lot of the wins that he deserves, but he's never, I can't say never, but he is very, very rarely the reason why Detroit loses a game. Yep. I mean, a lot of the times he like the losses on Bernier are more a product of the team playing in front of him, putting him in situations that he can't win. Yep. I am shocked boys. Shocked. No Sam Gagne love. No, like we knew Sam Gagne was going to feast on the Hawks. It happened. It's like expected. He did get people curly fries. That was nice of him. He did. Had a hat trick this week too. He was up there, but uh, Svechnikov, you know. You know, I'll name him my Red Wing Player of the Week. There you go, because he didn't hurt you. Yeah, Sam the Hawk Killer Gagne. Uh, Fun stat about him. He is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth in longest spans between hat tricks. Nine years and 23 days it took him to get a second. Wow. His next hat trick. So, and I think the last time it was against the Blackhawks when he had eight points. Yeah, he. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he does that sometimes. I guess he just like saves up his goals for like two or three weeks and just cashes them in at once. Yeah, if only he could do that like near the end of the season, he'd cash in a nice payday too. Yeah, not as crazy as um, Riley Sheehan not scoring a single goal all season until the final game at the Joe and he scored the, the, last, the last two goals of the Joe. <laughs> Uh, that's an interesting stat though nine years between hat tricks yeah i mean the longest one was 11 years and 345 days by dit clapper (laughs) not dick dit (laughs) d-i-t david d-i-t uh there's a dick duff though on the list dick duff bonnie mcmurray Uh, we can move on to the week that's going to be for the Red Wings and the Blackhawks because there are, are also going to be games this coming week. Um, we start with the Wings, so let's go ahead and just start with them as well on the flash forward. Um, the Wings are having a really short week this week. They're going to play a game versus the Columbus Blue Jackets and a game versus the Carolina Hurricanes. 
the Columbus one, I think they can win. I think that the power play finally clicked twice back-to-back games, so the streak finally got broke. But they yeah. actually have looked pretty decent against Columbus all year. They haven't really gotten blown out by them once. Because we hate Ohio. Um, the Carolina game, I think this is an L. Um, again, they just they play as a unit in Carolina. There are, yes, Svechnikov is a great player. Sebastian Ajo is a great player, but that team is not carried by one or two superstars. They play as a unit, like in the same way you know the Russians really created that five man unit. That's how Carolina plays, and I think they're they're going to beat the Red Wings playing that system. Yep, they're uh, they're fun to watch. Um, I I agree with you. I think we can beat Columbus, whether it's regulation or overtime. Um, but Carolina, I don't think we win that game. We might keep it a little close, but I think we lose that game. Are like these? It, oh, sorry. I was just say if if like they keep Carolina a two goal game, I'll be happy. Agreed. Are these re? So we're. Two of these games rescheduled for this week before because this is just weird with it being not a the mini series that we've been. Yeah, because they don't play like the two games back to back. Yeah, I wonder um, was this part of the reschedule that the NHL just implemented? It might be. I, I mean, I can't really think of. I don't because I remember looking at the schedule when they first announced it, and I don't remember seeing you know this schedule like this where they just have like one random game because it's like you said usually they have these teams playing two goals or two, two games back to back. So I would imagine this has to be like a reschedule. Okay. Yeah. That, because that, yeah, it's just, that's the one thing that caught my eye right away. Look at their schedule is it's Columbus and then Carolina, uh, the, the second game. So, uh, but yeah, two tough opponents. I think it, Columbus is one of those teams. They're hot. They, they have a lot of firepower, but catch him on an off night but i still think you know i've been more i've been pretty positive on the wings for the most part this season i think they do lose both of these games so carolina it's just the only thing that yeah they're a force their their worst position is goalie but you know if you're you got forwards back checking like i'm um i'm gonna keep it clean like like <laughs> they do. and yeah it's just tough they have a great defense great forwards it's it's gonna be hard to get a win against a dominant team like that um, and then for the Blackhawks, you guys have three games, and they're all against the reigning Stanley Cup champions, the Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> yeah, dun dun dun. Um, yeah, boys. Oh, man, this is really our task. We've been dreading March, the March schedule. I think I brought it up last week about how tough March is, and you know, here we go. We're going to start this beautiful month with three games against the Tampa Bay Lightning, who completely dominated us the last time we've seen them, which yeah. was the open night of the season and the game after that. So, oh, I want to say that this is a different Hawks team that played them the first two games. I want to say that with my heart and hearts, but I just think it's going to be tough to – even squeak out one win against this Tampa Bay Lightning team. I mean, yeah, I think you guys get three losses, but I think your kids have grown to the point where you'll keep it close and maybe one or two of them. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get blown out. 
uh, well, blown out in all three. I think there is one game that might get out of hand. Uh, but I think, too, you know, I think Lankinen, he has been really put up to the test before. Uh, uh, the way Subban rebounded after his shutout against the Red Wings, his shutout before uh, before he played the Red Wings, I don't think he's going to be getting the most of the two of the three starts. I think it's going to be Lankinen for at least two of them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is the real test. You know, I'm scared. I'm not going to lie. But, uh, yeah, here we go. Way to start the okay. match. It's going to be okay. I mean, I, I really think that the Hawks should be embracing these games, though, for Lincoln's sake. I mean, you've got you've got a goaltender in Lincoln who, so far this season, has put up pretty decent stats. He's been a very bright spot on your team. Much as we said, you know, Dallas is a real test for you guys towards the start of the season. This is the real test for Lincoln and to see a, does he just melt down? And also if he does melt down, does he melt down again, the next game? And honestly, even if you lose these games, I, if I was in the Blackhawks, you know, training room or on their coaching staff, I would want them putting him in at least two of these games and just saying, we're not expecting you to win play your best. We want to see how you perform. How do you handle the pressure? Yes. How do you handle a high pressure situation or offense? Like these teams are going to provide because the Tampa Bay lightning are a high offense team and they're very solid defensively. You're going to face a lot of chances, a lot of great quality chances. Show us how you look against that because that I really feel like is going to establish whether Lincoln is a definitive starter moving into next season. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, you know, we're going to get, we might get a very sad Nick all of March because of this schedule, but yeah, this is going to be the test, you know, Uh, we'll see what happens. I think that this is when the Hawks kind of fall back down to earth here, but you know, we enjoyed the ride while we did. Let's just go into the positive mindset. Maybe we could surprise the world some more. We'll see, man. Pitter patter. Pitter patter. Let's get at her. So that's it for the flashback and the flash forward. Um, I don't believe we had any fan mail this week. Again, Rats. we want to interact with you guys. Send us some freaking questions. Give us yeah, some but, discussion topics, wait, please. No, David, didn't you have one for us last week? You had a topic that you wanted to talk. I had one that I thought of, but I think we just talked about it with Blashill. That was what it was. Oh, okay. All right. But, but yeah, no fan mail this week, unfortunately. So bummer. Um, we'll get some next week, hopefully. Hopefully next week. Um, but anyway, I think that's pretty much it for the episode tonight. Um, if you liked what you heard slash watched, feel free to give us a like, a follow, a share, whatever the social media currency of choice is on the platform that you enjoy us. We are on a variety of platforms. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on YouTube. We're on SoundCloud. We're on uh, Apple Podcasts. You can find us on um, Old Fashioned Email. I mean, there are ample ways to get in touch with the podcast, whether it's, you know, giving us show topic ideas, if it's feedback on the show, if you have questions you want us to answer, whatever you guys send us, we're happy to read it. And just really like it's, it's content for us to connect with you guys through at the end of the day, this show is more fun for us when we connect with you guys. So feel free to send it to us. If you want to find us on Facebook, you know, just type in the search bar, the stick blade podcast will show up. Same thing on YouTube or uh, yeah, same thing on YouTube. Just type in stick blade podcast will show up uh, SoundCloud. It's soundcloud.com slash stick blade podcast. 
Yep. Same thing on Apple Podcasts. And then on Twitter, the Twitter handle is at StickBladePod. And then finally, if you're a fan of the old fashioned email, stickbladepodcast at gmail.com is the email address. Just there are plenty of avenues to get in touch with us. Send us some freaking mail. Do it. Please. Herda. Herda. But in the meantime, we appreciate you guys tuning into the show. For your host, Jordan Linscott, and for my co-hosts, David Barnhouse and Nicola Page, this has been another edition of the Stick Blade Podcast. You guys take care of each other. Take care of, your, take care of yourselves. Stay safe amongst this, this pandemic that we're still going through. In the meantime, let's enjoy some good hockey in the coming weeks. Go Blackhawks and go Red Wings. Go Wings. Go Hawks.